Thank you for joining us for IAB There. And now your host, Brad Barrett's. Over to you, Brad. Hi, everybody. Uh, it is Monday, April 13th. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream where we connect the digital advertising ecosystem, uh, share what's going on, and try to give you a little connection and perspective during this uh, time when we're all working out of our homes and counting every ceiling crack. So thank you so much for joining us. Today, our topic is women, media, consumption, and business. I am so delighted that our guest today is Samantha Ski. She is the CEO of She Media. We'll dig into what that is and talk about her career, uh, which has been remarkable in just a few seconds. Um, while we're getting Sam uh, into the live stream, let's talk about questions. If you have questions, the way to ask them of us is on Twitter. Please uh, use the hashtag IABthere, all one word, all caps, and our producers will monitor and share those with uh, Samantha and me as they happen. Sam, thank you so much hey. for joining us. Welcome to IB There. So. Thanks. So nice so, to be here. <laughs> uh, so I've known you for a long time. We met when you uh, were sort of a remarkable and very memorable moment. You walked off stage uh, at I sorry, at AdTech New York, having just uh, hosted a remarkable presentation with. This is when you were at Alloy. You were at Alloy. Yes. I think about about nine years. That's the longest yeah. uh, tenure until now. Um, yep. And uh, you had hosted uh, this remarkable panel of youth talking about their media consumption habits, That's what they right. were doing. You were also um, rather visibly pregnant uh, with uh, your oldest yeah. or my daughter, I was really uncomfortable. And that's, I'm sure I crushed the stage, like literally and figuratively, but yeah, I, and those youths are now like my annoying, you know, 33 year old employees, just kidding. Right. <laughs> but they have, they have children of their own now. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have former students who are grandparents, which is really terrifying. Um, so your career has been remarkable. You were at Alloy and then you were at uh, Passenger, which as I recall was one of the early brand community yep. uh, you know, endeavors. And then how long were you at Recycle Bank? You were the CRO Recycle Bank was like the dreamiest job ever. It was social impact, you know, rewards programs to get people to recycle. Um, I was there for three years. It was like super ill-fated. One of those great examples of awesome idea horrendous execution. We kind of fell apart, but had all the best investors. And it was so, uh, it was just such a cool idea to reward people for increasing their recycling and their green action um, and overall sustainability behaviors. But yeah, that was heartbreaking as an epic fail. <laughs> but, uh, but, but a noble one. And, and yes. I do wanna, I think that there are, there's a, a general theme of altruism uh, going through your career one of the things that I've leaned on you for for many years is um, you're helping me understand what's happening with women entrepreneurs, for example. Mm -hmm. So you, you've been very focused on the startup community there. Um, and so so when when you went over to what was then called She Knows, I thought it was a really remarkably good fit. Just tell me about like your your role at She Media and also how does that fit into sort of Penske more broadly? Yeah, well, so we were acquired by Penske Media Corp about um, about got coming up on two years ago, and um, Jay Penske, who's the chairman CEO of Penske Media, 
really saw an opportunity to jump into women's lifestyle content where a lot of the uh, media assets within Penske Media are actually business to business, top of their vertical markets like Variety, Rolling Stone, Women's Wear Daily, Deadline, just really extraordinary long-term brands and publications who have, in many most of those cases, have origins in print. We are the first set of lifestyle, uh, meaning softer, less news content um, for women. We're the, the first acquisition within the Penske portfolio. We've, we acquired Blog Her, Stylecaster, and now Hollywood Life, and She Knows round out our, our portfolio of women's lifestyle content. So we've become that sort of umbrella of um, various uh, brands that serve women in kind of all of the fun, more impassioned areas of life. And then finally, we have a partner network, which is the original Blog Her, where we're representing 2000-ish um, uh, independent publishers, aka bloggers, social influencers, content creators, and we're monetizing their sites. So akin to a you know an old school rep network, but we're actually invested in growing their traffic, um, building their personal brands on our blog her stage, um, implementing best practices across all aspects of their publishing strategies. So that's um, an area that's you know we're really passionate about because we get to support small businesses and positive, productive, kind of culture-moving content produced by women, for women. Well, and so, so I think there's, there's sort of two ways we can go in this chat. One is about your, your producers, and I want to dig in there. I also do want to ask you about sort of what you're seeing in terms of behavior for your audiences. But, sure. but since you mentioned the, the Blogger Network, it's a 2,000 website. So yeah. what are you, like, what's changing, right? You've got, you've, uh, you've got a bunch of uh, interesting things. What we're seeing more generally right now is that you know attention is through the roof because everybody's at home monetization a little more challenged and then we're yeah. trying to figure out lots and lots of like how do we serve the the audience and the advertisers so what what are you seeing in the the blogger network but then more generally throughout she yeah so throughout she media because we're lifestyle which makes meaning again home and hearth happiness um difficulties and, and challenges in parenting, in um, health, in um, all aspects of home life, that's good content in this market. Um, our content across the board, um, production is about the same for our owned and operated assets, but traffic is up by 20% plus. That said, um, you know, average CPMs for our network, including o and and represented are down pretty considerably on open market advertising, 20% plus, which is brutal on the, the sites we represent in the blog her network, which are small businesses. So being down by 20% in terms of your revenue per piece of content published has a meaningful impact on your overall mm. um, you know, profit yielded. So we're taking a bunch of steps to try to balance that. Um, funneling more direct campaigns to that network, which I bought the higher you know, premium, um, building much more sort of optimization of your content during COVID. So you know, many advertisers are, are um, targeting their ads away from COVID and Corona references. We've given um, you know, best practices to all of the sites we represent to uh, avoid certain terms while producing content that's for, for example, for moms at home with kids under say 10 who really need uh, entertainment and engagement. And then you've got your teens who are 
potentially becoming isolated. Um, Lots of tricky behaviors are emerging and how to parent to that. We have really great content, which we don't necessarily have to indicate is a result of COVID or coronavirus. We can talk about the life at home without being really explicit. And that helps with advertiser demand. Um, But everybody's down in our network. And that's really hard because they aren't owned by great big companies that we are so fortunate to be owned by and to have that safety net. Um, They're small businesses. So we're really trying to, we're being extremely attentive to how we manage um, the overall businesses of small business right now. And are your, are your hope, so one of the things we've seen, for example, is that with podcasting, there's some, some uh, spike in interest in podcasting yep. because it's easier to deal with the creative, you know, if you have a microphone at home, you can, you, a host can redo something. Um, a lot of your folks are also able to create that kind of content, uh, either yep. content marketing or custom things. Is that something that you're pushing with your creative? Yeah, we're doing, okay, so tons of uh, actually more and more interest in and then active sort of pitching and collaboration with brands to produce branded content digitally. Um, You know, we we have a very big event business and blog her or a big portion of our um, efforts and our assets are focused on live events. So we've converted those experiences to virtual as has literally everybody. And um, within those virtual events, there is a lot of opportunity for branded content that then can live after the event that can be relevant as, you know, education, as, um, you know, pods of content that maintain long tail relevance. So within that for that space, we're doing a lot in terms of utility for small business, this interest from advertisers for us and from corporations in supporting small business has gone up considerably we happen to serve a large uh, uh, community of small businesses. So the desire from brands to produce content that's useful to small businesses and in doing so hopefully generate some loyalty with um, a big group of of struggling um, businesses is rampant. So uh, the branded content we're producing is um, multi is in most cases multi episodic. So it's not one a one off. It's more like a stay at home, agenda for the next three weeks, if that's what mm-hmm. it's being, to uh, drive your business, to apply for loans, to um, optimize different aspects of your content. And then also, you know, of course, because we serve moms as one of our largest audiences through our O&O, we have tons of content around enrichment, um, around sort of staying sane, parenting, not killing your spouse, lots of things like that that are important, not for this household, mind you, Brad, this household. Of course, of course. I mean, everyone's getting along brilliantly. Oh, no challenges in, in, in Chase Key. I got it. All so, good. Yeah. All good here. Everyone's doing their homework. It's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. Can, I, we, we, have, we have to have your children talk to my children. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely not being sincere. But. Uh, so, but let's talk about moms. Uh, many, some, not many, but some years ago, you uh, hosted an iMoms conference for me. Um, and, I, you know, moms are, it was, we, I think it might have been you who talked about moms as the chief everything officer. And so mm-hmm. here we are uh, dealing with a ton of crazy changes. What are you seeing in terms of the changes in media consumption with mm-hmm. your audience? Like, what, are, what do moms care about right now? Um, there's what, what tons of, well, both in terms of our content production, we can see it from that side. We can see it in terms of um, what we're producing and what our audiences are consuming. There's um, just an, in addition to COVID, which is 
primary um, area of consumption for moms because they also consider themselves the chief health officer of the household. And so protecting the family becomes very sort of lioness. Um, so that's the primary uh, uh, area of consumption then followed immediately by how to handle um, produce harmony at home, but also um, get your, a lot of focus on kids, on keeping your kids safe, on um, keeping your kids engaged, getting them to do their work at home. How do you be a working mom and a stay at home mom educator? A lot of interest because we, women are the chief everything officer and totally generalizing, but let's be real, the numbers are there. Um, they're also the, the major caregivers of aging parents. So you get that extra value challenge of looking out for your parents, whether they're in the same state or whether you're driving across states to get to them so that they have oversight. So there's um, a lot of family centricity right now above and beyond what is typical for a mom and advertisers are jumping on that. So while everything seems to be down, attention to moms as also head of household purchaser of most of the cleaning supplies, uh. hate to say it, of most of the long-term food stocking, that's being targeted to head of household woman. So um, those areas of content are still performing really well for us, both in terms of user consumption and in terms of advertiser validation, you know, when we look at the highest demand areas of content. So we've become sort of the chief health officers, I think, for the home and the sort of preparedness people sort of survivor mentality is, is emerging. And then there's the escapism, which is like all the, you know, lists of the best things to watch on Netflix and, you know, and beauty, at-home beauty. How do we deal without all of our crutches? It's very stressful, Brad. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it's stressful for dads as well. And I, oh, I have, whatever. Uh, I have parents. You're an unique the, dad. You're an unusual dad. Let's just put that I, out I, there. That's kindly said, but possibly inaccurate. Um, oh, come but on. the my Your wife's like a PhD. Are, she's like the primary brain officer, isn't she? Oh no, she's the she's the smart one in the family for right. sure. Um, but uh, no, I have aging parents in Los Angeles, and we're, we just zoomed for the first time just just to see their faces. Uh, and you know, it, 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 there's only so much emotional connection that you can squeeze down a phone line. Seeing someone yeah. face to face is is a big deal. Um, you also shared that there's some interesting changes in purchasing dynamics happening right now mm -hmm. in the home. What can you tell me about that? Well, so in addition to obviously this focus on sort of preparedness for future stockpiling of food, all the very obvious things that are being targeted primarily to moms. Um, in addition to that, there's more emphasis on engaging kids. So healthy toys, uh, meaning like wooden blocks from the Brooklyn bubble um, that are, you know, gluten-free, <laughs> whatever, like the nice, the, the really smart blocks that make your kids smart. Those kinds of things are selling in spades. Um, they're selling mostly from Amazon as, as is expected, although they're often produced by small businesses. Um, toys, 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 toys that you can play as a family, games you can play as a family. You guys have all read about the jigsaw puzzle onslaught. Uh, but then co-purchasing dynamics with teens um, and tweens are pretty hot right now. So given the amount of time that teens are, are spending on their devices, they're getting advertised to, there's all this, this extra day part that's available when they were in school where they're now not in my family, they're gaming. <laughs> so they may be downstairs gaming right now, but 
they um, are getting a lot of ads. There's so much advertising to tweens and teens happening. And then there's this like, we're in the same household co-purchasing dynamic that's like from the seventies um, where it's like, hey mom, I want this game. And what if I do seven chores? Do I get my latest- Oh, you know, well, that's game? interesting. Little favor economy happening. We're paying our children oh, stay away okay. from us. <laughs> Um, there is a burgeoning sort of co-purchasing dynamic that we're seeing um, in terms of moms getting ads for engaging their teens and teens getting ads for things that are being positioned as smarter ways to spend your time if you're going to live in Oculus for the next several months. Are you seeing anything uh, with uh, children who might have been out in the world and now have come home to roost where, you know, because we've seen just in our staff at IEB, but also across my, my network, just a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm living with mom and dad again. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have a college student who's, who's living home and we're thrilled, you know, it's not, not only because we love her, but also because it's safer here. But mm -hmm. are you seeing anything uh, in your network? In terms of that, you know, that? I haven't seen data on, because um, we don't have as many college students in our network because we're mostly moms and their offspring uh, or women, independent women who are not producing offspring that's kind of our that's our demographic i mean there's the anecdotals we've all seen and it's funny and awesome when kids are forced home and you know forced home or willingly heading home but i can't claim that i know much about that in terms of advertising and media consumption only the things i would assume so uh what about activism you know you were talking earlier about i think things this sort of tricky you know wanting to um create content that people will be able to infer is about coronavirus without saying those words and possibly getting blocked uh, on the right. programmatic side. And so, right. but one of the things we've seen and uh, just as a, a PSA for the IV, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we came out with a, a buy side uh, survey, a spend pulse, the, mm -hmm. uh, the correlating sell side surveys coming out this week. Uh, we've seen people, we've seen across the industry publishers finding, golly, there's all sorts of PSAs, uh, there's different kinds of messaging. We're seeing just a lot of changes in, you know, people don't know quite what to talk about or they don't have creative uh, or the, because you can't really have the creative about everybody, you know, throwing a ball in the park anymore if you can't right. leave your house. But you were talking in a, a note to me earlier about armchair activism. What, mm -hmm. what is that? Well, so I think, I mean, armchair activism is something I've been interested in sort of through different companies for, you know, a couple of decades um, in that it's, you know, the sort of click to save a tree is what we used to call it a long, long time ago, <laughs> where um, the idea that you can do something good without leaving your desk and your laptop or your, you know, or your phone um, by, you know, the, the whole kind of buying for social impact you know, social impact consumption, that's um, way up. If you're gonna buy something online, you're most likely buying it in order to donate in some way if you're of a certain um, socioeconomic uh, bracket in particular. Um, so there's the buy a mask, save a mask, you know, to donate a mask. There's um, buy a game, donate a game. There's um, buying water, donating water. Like it's, these all exist. Um, and are being, you know, I think that there's a lot of guilt right now about those who are in a position of relative safety. And um, I certainly feel it. You're like, how can I complain about like being sick of my kids when I'm, you know, fortunate enough to have four walls around me. But, um, but so I think that activism is hitting a lot of spaces. So there's, um, 
consumers and how we are buying. So you, you feel like, you know, if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to sit here and, and put a poor delivery person at risk, I should be doing something good also. I think that's just assuaging our own guilt. And, and it's, it's also a function of so many companies attaching some kind of cause message to um, or connection to their own corporate efforts to your purchasing, which is so obviously opportunistic and possibly also good for the world, but um, clearly it's advertising. Um, corporate messaging, you know, thanking the healthcare workers, anyone, anyone can do that. Any, any corporation can qualify for that and should be giving, you know, funds back to those incredible efforts. Um, but that's, you know, that if you saw John Oliver take down Amazon, it was pretty hilarious. Um, I didn't, mi I missed that one so far. Yeah, you gotta take so. a look at this. It's uh, where um, just sort of talking about how like, yes, we're, you know, treating our, thank you to our employees who were continuing to, to put at risk or who we are, I'm paraphrasing, but um, there were some, questions in many large companies about the working conditions for people who are considered to be essential workers. And I think putting an ad out, thanking your workers, there's a lot of other things you could do for your workers, <laughs> like within the frame of benefits and uh, time away from danger might be more valuable, um, you know, loans, things like that. So, um, so there is, I think, a jump on the corporate responsibility, social impact, bandwagon that is uh, feels because I'm old and grouchy a little inauthentic and opportunistic but it's also a function of not probably having the right creative and truly wanting to I think give back or drive um, a bit of sort of community pressure to do the to stay at home etc it feels pretty opportunistic to me to be honest like it feels a little um, a little bit like of course we all want to do the right thing and also go buy some stuff from my store <laughs> On the world. Right. Well, I, I, I think, you know, we're, we're all, we're figuring this out. I mean, this is yes. not, and no one is going to be perfect at it. This is, uh, depending on how you measure it, the biggest disruption to civilization on a planetary yeah. scale in over a century. And we're going to blow it. Uh, you yeah. know, there are going to be moments, but there are also these incredible moments of, uh, of just beauty and connection. I, mm -hmm. I was, uh, it, it may seem silly, but um, Jimmy Fallon and The Roots and Sting did a mm -hmm. cover of Don't Stand So Close to Me with homemade so cool. instruments. It was magical. There's wonderful art. I think there's wonderful art coming out of this. And we're seeing that with a lot of the, you know, social creators or influencers that we work with who are producing deeper and more sort of emotional, just amazing work. Um, who are losing people or um, make, having their own struggles, especially with mental health who are sure. producing really amazing work. So I don't mean to dismiss that at all. I think that it's, um, there's just so much to do that it's hard. And I agree, we're gonna stumble in advertising and in, and in media by striking the right tone, by being useful and not opportunistic. There's a sort of a fine line there, you could be both. So, and you know, advertising always has to strike that, um, that balance. So any concrete requests to or advice for our brand and agency friends as they're thinking through dealing with their clients. They're always in the hot seat, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the middle of everything, the, the agencies. So what are you, what are you seeing that's yeah. actionable? Well, I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing a lot more engagement from client direct, meaning from hmm. the, the brand itself, the CMO, um, probably more engaged in the way that the brands and, and products are representing themselves probably than, than one would typically be when you're more, 
accustomed to looking at units sold because you have a no more normal retail experience, I think now some of the best marketers out there are really finding their creative juices as they're thinking, how do I use my position to, you know, to, to do something meaningful. So I'm seeing a lot more engagement from brands direct, which is always hard for an agency because you're sort of sure. managing between these and like big ideas coming out of brands and brands flipping their strategy more quickly than some of the agencies we work with can handle. We're also seeing a lot of activity with PR firms who are more accustomed to working fast and switching, um, you know, sort of flipping a positioning of a brand, a brand equity. We're seeing a lot of activity there. Agencies, I mean, I think that there's a lot of benefit to this moment in terms of thinking in, thinking about innovation and rebranding. It's a fun time in some ways to be a marketer because um, you're really put to the test. Um, agencies, in terms of working with publishers, there's a lot that publishers will do right now because we are all hurting. Um, I mean, literally like every publisher that I've spoken with and that, you know, you're, I absolutely agree with the, I didn't fill it out, but the buyer's survey um, appears to be exactly what we're seeing in terms of a flip to cause related marketing. We're all down in terms of our revenues. Um, all of the, you know, most campaigns are pausing. So I think for agencies, you can do a lot with publishers. They're really willing to, I mean, work by necessity, give things away. Um, virtual events are fast, so you can, and they're usually, they seem to be pretty um, interesting. People are, lean, people are leaning into them in a big way. Yes, absolutely. I mean, looking for connection, looking for interesting ways to bring talent. Talent, okay, here's another good one for everybody. Agencies in particular, talent, like big name talents, much more willing to work with um, brands right now, mm. perhaps because they're not getting as much attention and because they're losing certain earning opportunities. So I'd say talent is more willing, everybody's more willing to work together. It's sort of where's the funding and how do you unlock the dollars that are nervously being held on to. Um, a final thing is I would look at content that's gonna have meaning beyond, when you're producing branded that might have meaning beyond COVID um, that's gonna be educational long-term, you know, in the frame again that we're looking at with small business or that's interesting for parents or you know, for your health regardless, um, right. just if you want to create something evergreen when you have all this interest and this lean-in behavior from both marketers and publishers. But selling packs of virtual events is really seems like a low barrier to entry when producing branded content. And it doesn't seem like a hard thing to, to, to convince a client to do. Well, and then let's lean in on that for a moment because I think that the idea about creating content that's going to have a life beyond mm -hmm. coronavirus, that leads to something really quite interesting, which is, are we thinking about this in terms of a transient crisis or are we thinking about this in terms of a new normal? And in yeah, on this show and in many other conversations, people have been talking about, you know, will movie theaters ever right. recover? Now, movies aren't going anywhere, we, we but we're right, now right. trained an entire, for. Uh, for three months, we're training the world that you can get really great stuff in your living room. And so that's no going to be, you know, be harder. Uh, we have a question. Uh, I'm not sure this is a question for you, but let's try. It's from uh, Krishna Reddy Chapala. Who are top losers in digital advertising platforms, Google or Facebook or LinkedIn or Criteo or anyone else? 
It's an interesting question. I don't know if you'll have a point of view on that. Well, top losers. I mean, if you're thinking ad, wait, I'm sorry, ad platforms or publishing platforms? It looks like advertising platforms. They want to know, do you, and I, 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 please pass on this if you are not comfortable with it, but do you think that sort of in, in the Google or Facebook world or LinkedIn or Critia, it's a hard question to ask, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I would, I will take a whack at it, which is I Go think that any, any platform that's connecting people with other people right now is likely to be a winner. And that could be mm -hmm. Facebook or Twitter. It also, frankly, is a YouTube or TikTok. And I think throughout your platform uh, over with She Knows, you've got mm -hmm. a lot of people who are really desperate for connection. So I don't know who the losers are likely to be. Um, well, I think that we also are seeing an interesting one, which is WordPress and Squarespace, people actually wanting to create sites who hadn't mm -hmm. been in the moment before, um, about 75% of the bloggers we work with are on WordPress. And so learning additional services, finding additional ways to make money. Um, there's an e-commerce solution in there that's um, WooCommerce, um, I think it's called, that those who are independent publishers are now trying to use to, to supplement earning. Huh. Um, so we're seeing a lot of the more like actually starting your longer form content. Losers, I mean, there's plenty of postulates. I don't, I don't, yeah, it's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's not dwell on the negative. In fact, let's end on the positive, which is yes, my, my, my question always to people at the end is, what are you doing to, to stay optimistic and to stay connected? Um, what I always say, because it's always important, is that the, the people who live alone, which is neither of us, but the people who live alone are the ones who are hardest hit by this, yeah. uh, just to be trapped in four walls and squeeze everything through a screen. So I call them. You know, just, mm -hmm. I call people, my friends who live alone. What are you doing? How are you? How are you taking care of the? Well, that's the a great point, and I could do more on that front. Um, we're doing a lot of Zoom activity with family. I think um, trying really hard to appreciate there are some, you know, if we are fortunate enough to have some benefits in this time. Um, you know, for me, seeing my offspring is an unusual, um, an unusual treat. <laughs> that word is, no, it's an unusual um, opportunity for sure. Um, and I think that the the challenges creatively in our business are, it's a time for us to really think about what should stay to your question. Like what are behaviors and uh, habits that we're learning right now that are really good for our health, our business, our um, communities, it's a much greener time right now, which I'm loving. I'm trying to document with friends and sustainability, all of the, mm. uh, the, the behaviors we're learning now that we could maintain um, post COVID so that everyone just doesn't go into like a totally hedonistic, drive every car, ride every plane, you know, uh, use all, you know, whatever, assault mother earth. We're trying instead to look at the things that could um, sustain that are really positive. So. I think looking at the great things that are emerging, which is again, hard to do within your own family com and communities. I will call more friends who and family who are living alone. I think that's important. And maybe slowing down isn't the worst thing for some of us. So um, lots of great meditation apps. 10% Happier is awesome by Dan Harris, if you're not already oh, good. So good, as is meditation in Oculus is intense. Like it's. Mm. My son, my 14-year-old has an Oculus Rift, not Rift, uh, Quest, I think. Quest, he, yeah. He likes, he likes it. So. Um, it's so intense. Okay, babe. Thank you so much, Samantha Ski, for joining you, us on IAB There. I'm going to let you go and do the credits. I will see you soon. Okay, babe. Um, thank you. Um, Bye. IAB thank There. You.
uh, on tomorrow's IAB there, we will welcome Michael Barrett, the CEO of the Rubicon Project, which just merged with Teleria. He'll be in conversation with our CEO, Randy Rothenberg. Uh, IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ants, John Ward, Profika Mahinadin, and Haley Bluton. I'm Editor-in-Chief Brad Behrens. Thank you for watching. Come back tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, then you know it's time to IAB There. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.